Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Fun on Weekdays podcast. I am Jenna, and I'm here today with a really, really special guest, one of my former coworkers, Kristen. Take it away. Introduce yourself. Thank you for having me. So (laughs) hi, everyone. Um, My name is Kristen and me and Jenna work together, not closely, but we work together at TikTok. I was there for around two years um, working with like some of our top creators on the app. I recently left uh, to start my own company and just so excited to be here. Yeah. So this is really exciting. So I left TikTok in like September. And before I even started at TikTok, I knew of who Kristen was because I would see her videos all the time. And she just has like a very impressive uh, experience in like the tech industry, which we'll get right into. But so I wanted to have her on the podcast a little while ago, but she wasn't able to. And now that she is away from TikTok doing her own venture, I wanted to have her on and kind of like talk about what she's going through, but also just give all of her career advice. Cause I know there's a lot of girls that are in college that listen to me who are about to graduate and they're looking for jobs. Or there's also people who have been in their career for five years and they're like, I need to do something like I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And I think you are the epitome of like not settling for a job if you know that it's not something that you want to do. So I'm really excited to have Kristen on today. Um, Kristen, just some like background information. Um, Where do you live? How old are you? And just kind of like an overview of some of the places that you've worked. So people know just literally how cool you are. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, So, okay. First off, I'm from Nebraska. So like, I always wanted to like, kind of live, I either wanted to work in entertainment or tech. So right after I graduated school, I like set my sights on either LA or San Francisco. And I ended up getting a job in San Francisco. Um, I worked at Instagram at Pinterest, and then I ended up getting a job at TikTok. Uh, which was more entertainment focused. I ended up relocating for TikTok. And so now I'm based out of Los Angeles, but the work I've been doing has you has primarily been working with like top content creators. So like some of, you know, the hype house people, the people <laughs> we all like know and love. Um, I've gotten the pleasure to be able to work with and help just better develop them on platforms like TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. Super crazy too. Cause I think that your job is just always a lot of people that are in like the younger generation, like influencer industry is just so big and everybody wants to be a part of it, but there's just so much competition. And a lot of people want to know like, how, like, how do I get into it? So this episode is going to kind of talk about that. And also just being a woman and trying to progress in your career and everything. So, you know, kind of going off of all of your experience. So I also looked at your LinkedIn before this. Let me just say you have the most impressive LinkedIn profile I've ever seen, which I'm going to get to. Um, And I also saw that you worked at places like HBO and Soul Republic and Pop Sugar, which are all, like you said, entertainment and tech, you know, companies. So my first topic that I wanted to talk about is just like women in tech. So obviously you and I both worked at TikTok. And women only make up like 28% of the tech industry. And so with that being in like a male dominated field, I have a lot of questions for you because you have way more years of experience than I do. So number one question is like, how can you be taken seriously without coming across as like too assertive or too bitchy or too much of a pushover? Like, how do you find that balance of just being like, girl boss. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think really a lot of that has to do with like the, the company that you're at and like your coworkers. Like I have definitely worked at companies 
where I have totally felt like the odd woman out in, in these room full of men. And then I've worked at other companies where I feel like just the whole vibe is different. So I think one, it's about finding like the right fit for you. Like if you're mm-hmm. in a company and you just feel like no one's taking you seriously, or they're thinking that you're being, you know, too bossy or assertive and talking over you, that could just be a sign that it's not like the leadership isn't necessarily right there. So I think for me, that's something I struggled with initially. I had a lot of like imposter syndrome in my first couple jobs. Um, I think one of the things that helped is just like, as I progressed and like, once I got to a company like Instagram, I felt like, wow, now I'm at this big company. Like I'm, you know, like one of the only like women in a lot of these meetings, these product meetings that I was in. Um, and but then I, I, there was another wave of like, well, now all these people, like I went to university of Nebraska and all of these people went to like Harvard and MIT. Yeah. So then I was just kind of feeling like dumb to be honest. Um, so I think it's really about like, just kind of ensuring like that you feel like you have a seat at the table. So like, I've read like all the Sheryl Sandberg, um, books. And I think like, it gave me a lot of good perspective because truthfully, when I started at Instagram, like there was meetings and there was a table and I would always sit on the bench. And then I started reading that book and I was like, no, like I, I should be sitting at the table with like everyone else. And like, really just like, it's all about you knowing that you definitely bring value. You were hired into a role for a reason and just understanding kind of like the value you bring versus others. Like maybe I'm not, I can't code or I can't, you know, do like, I'm not the best with data, but I'm creative and I can, I'm more of like a people person. I can give a more unique perspective than a lot of like the engineers on the team. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you say too, like the imposter syndrome of feeling like you don't belong when so many other people came from like different backgrounds, like you said, different universities. That's exactly how I felt when I started at TikTok, because obviously I had like a very unique, cool story of how I was hired. But then once I actually got that job, I was like, oh my God, everyone has been at Apple, Spotify, Uber, Facebook, Instagram, like every single person that worked at TikTok truly was recruited from like another tech uh, company. And so for me to be surrounded by all of those people, it definitely did make me feel very insecure because like you said, you don't really know exactly what you're doing. But I think with time, you kind of get like assimilated to what you are good at and what you can bring to the table, like you said, and just like finally, you know, like taking your seat and being proud of that. Um, So another question that I had was, Do you think that the way that you kind of present yourself, like the way that you dress, obviously working from home now, so there's like not a whole lot to it, the way that you dress, the way that you speak, whether it's like in person or in emails, um, or just like the way that you think about yourself, do you think that being kind of in the tech industry that has affected the way that people uh, kind of take you? Yeah, um, I think like for sure, I think so one of the things about me is like, I have always, so I've always been told like dress for the job that you want. Like, I think we've all been told that, right? Like you have to look, look cute. And, but I think what's interesting about tech, and I don't know if you notice this or if you ever actually went into the TikTok office, you might. No, no, I haven't. Yeah. So I think what's different about tech is like, people don't really dress up. Yeah. So it's like, I would go to work looking like in a blazer or looking, you know, kind of like, cute. And then mm-hmm. everyone I worked with would be in hoodies. And so it was kind of like, again, this feeling of like, I don't belong, like 
but times 10, because not only was I a woman, but I also like, I was dressed up and a lot of people maybe were wearing hoodies or just more casual. So I think, I think for me, like, um, I tried to think of it like, okay, well, I'm like, everyone is who they are. Like if I enjoy, and like every morning I get like, you know, I'm happy about dressing up and doing my hair, like wearing hoop earrings, like I'm going to (laughs) continue to do that. And like, bring, bring that part of myself to work. Um, and hopefully like, I won't be, be judged for it. And again, I think it's all about finding like the place where you fit in where like you won't, people won't say anything or people like won't make those little digs at you and they'll just feel like, Oh, okay. This person brings a lot of cool perspective and this person's very unique and they bring their own flair to the office. So like, for me, I've tried not to change that. Although it's definitely been like, sometimes I'm like, am I overdressed? Like I'm wearing, yeah. and I'm sure I see, I see your TikToks. I'm like, what should I wear tonight? It's like, <laughs> am I doing too much? But like, I think you just have to be who you are. Truly. Yeah, for sure. I don't think you can ever be doing too much, but I do think it's interesting that you say that like you were the one that was dressed up. And then like all of your coworkers, which a lot of them probably were men were wearing like sweatshirts and jeans. And like, they were the ones that were comfortable dressing down and not that you probably felt any pressure to dress up, but like, I don't know, I I can't really speak on it just because I haven't worked in an office like that, but I could imagine kind of like that separation and kind of the expectation that people have of you just as a woman to like present yourself so crisp and clean and like well-spoken. And when it comes to speaking as well. Um, this is something that I definitely learned. I actually had a meeting with somebody from the legal team um, when I was working at TikTok. I remember he was helping with a contract for somebody and I just like kept apologizing and saying, thank you so much. And like so many exclamation points and smiley faces in my, in my text, in my emails. And I'm like, I don't know if it was a projection of like my insecurities of not thinking that I was good at my job and that I needed to apologize for everything or I needed to express my gratitude because if I didn't, people would think that I was rude or a bitch. Like, do you have any advice when it comes to constructing uh, emails or like speaking to your coworkers in a way that is kind of just like straight to the point and not sugarcoating it with all this fluff? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's something I've like been working on too, because there are so many things I would do and I would catch myself doing like, for example, I would explain something or I would express something. And then I'd say, does that make sense? And like, even just that little line of like, does that make sense? That's like already like kind of me doubting myself and my own thoughts. So like, I've really been trying to be more aware of like, okay, what am I saying? Or before I send this email, sometimes I read it like 10 times. (laughs) Try to just make sure like I am confident in what I'm saying. And like, um, I've also think that's why it's incredibly important to have like mentors or especially people that you kind of look up to. So you can kind of model some of the things that really make them a strong leader. And I think for me, that was something I've always been like, a little bit more like on the shy side or like if I have an idea, like I I'm always kind of like, Oh, should I tell people or like, what will they think? So I think that's been a huge challenge for me, but I think like, it's all about finding the moments for you to break out of your comfort zone. So like for me and originally, like I hated the idea of like leading a meeting or, you know, being presenting, but I think like the more I kind of took those opportunities, the more comfortable I got. And then the more confident I, I am, am in like my day-to-day work with people and like the less inclined I am to apologize. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think the more that you are uncomfortable, the more you do become comfortable actually. Um, it's definitely very nerve wracking to present in front of people at your job, especially if that's like their first impression of you, because if you're not working 
in the office and you are working from home, you know, you have all these eyes on you from zoom and you don't know what people are thinking. So it can definitely get to your head. But I think that the more you kind of put yourself out there, it's going to lead to more opportunities to grow in the company too. Um, so with that being said, one of my questions was what is kind of like your biggest insecurity with working in tech? And I think you kind of already talked about this with just like imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think, I think for me, the biggest, like the biggest insecurity has definitely been like, just, yeah, the feeling of not belonging and the feeling of like, this is also something I've struggled with. I don't even know if it's like necessarily related, but like, I feel like, um, there's a certain like part of like who I am that I can't bring to work as a woman. Right. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like any outfit I wore to work was always like scoop neck. Right. <laughs> and that was very intentional because like, I don't feel comfortable wearing V-necks to work. Right. Cause I always have this thought like, okay, if I'm wearing, if like I have cleavage out, are people that I work with going to take me seriously? Are they going to be distracted? Um, and I think those are like all normal thoughts that like women have. Right. But like, for me, I felt like I had to be so careful because I didn't want to come off or be perceived in a certain way. Like if I'm wearing hoop earrings, showing, like showing everything, like I just wanted to be seen as very, very professional. Um, and then I'll have moments while I go out and people will be like, wow, you have like big boobs. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm wearing (laughs) like a minimizer bra at work in turtlenecks and like really trying to almost project this image of myself. That's like uber professional, which not to say it's not professional to just wear a V-neck, but like, it's something I just like have never been comfortable doing just because like, you know, I'll hear people say like, oh, you're wearing that to work. You can't wear that to work. Um, so I think it's like trying the biggest struggle has been trying to like find the version of myself that I'm okay bringing to work. And I think there's been so many struggles also with like, I'm sure, you know, there's always like internal politics and things you have to navigate. And sometimes you kind of just have to like, you know, apologize, even if you don't feel like you're in the wrong for certain situations. So I think for me, it's been like, how do I make sure I'm bringing my most like authentic self to work in a way that like is also like work appropriate and will help me kind of like advance in my career. Yeah. I love that. That's such a good answer. And I think too, like the longer, even you who have been in the industry for so long, like you're still trying to figure that out. That's not something that just comes. Like you graduate college, you start your first job and you just know that doesn't happen. Um, on the flip side of that, I wanted to ask, what do you think is your biggest strength that you can bring to your role? And obviously you've had so many different roles, so this might change based on it, but like your biggest strength and character trait. Yeah, I think, I think that's something that like, hmm, I think so for me, a, a big part of like how I've developed in my career is switching jobs, which like, again, there's so much like, you know, controversy around job hopping. But for me, I actually think it's been an incredible like strength because a lot of times you'll get people that might be in one job for like, you know, 10 years or five years. And like, you learn a very specific way of doing things when you're in one job, like, you know, docs are written a certain way and things are done a certain way. But for me, since I've gone to so many different companies, I feel like I'm more like well-rounded and adaptable and kind of um, a little bit quicker on my feet. And not to say, you know, you can't stay at one job and, and have that, but I think that's also something that um, has been like a strength of mine because I've, I've been so many different places. So I kind of have a good understanding of 
what competitors are doing, like how to present things in a way that makes sense and are very like, you know, high level and to the point. Um, so I think at first, like, you know, I was always worried like, oh, if I switch jobs too much, are people going to think that like I'm unstable on my resume? But I think I've gotten more just like comfortable with the idea that like it's 2022, people like know their worth and they want to make sure that their companies value them and pay them fairly. Um, and so for me, I've just like, let me just lean into the fact that I've worked at all these companies. I like list them off and throw them out all the time. Um, and, and I think that's, that's definitely been something that I, I feel like has helped me get the jobs that I've gotten for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something to be so proud of too. Like you've created such an impressive list of places you've worked already. Like just imagine what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And obviously now you're starting this own chapter with your own business, which is so crazy. I know it's going to take off, but this was actually the perfect segue into my next topic, which is all about switching jobs because you've had a plethora of you've quit jobs, you've gotten hired at new ones. And I want to know like all of your advice for that. So the first question is, how do you know when it is time to leave your company? Yeah, I think this is a question people should ask themselves more often. Um, because I think, so for me personally, it's like when I don't feel passionate about like going to work and I'm not passionate about the things I'm working on, that's when I know that it's time for a change. Um, so if I feel like I'm too much on autopilot or I just know the lay of the land, um, it's like, okay, I need to do something exciting so that I'm excited and passionate to come to work. But I think there's also another kind of, um, there's also another side to that. It's like a lot of people, I mean, I'm from Nebraska. I think you're from Ohio, right? Yeah. So a lot of the people that I grew up with in Nebraska have worked at the same company. Um, and to be honest, like, you know, not everything's about money, but, but for me, it's been really eye-opening to see a lot of them stay at the same job and make 40,000 a year, year after year after year. I think for me, like finance, being financially independent and, and growing significantly my salary has always been really important to me. And for me, I found a way to be passionate about what I'm doing and make good money. Um, so for me also, I think something to consider is like, do you feel like you're putting, you know, your time, your energy, your life into this company? Do you feel like you're being rewarded for that? Like if you're making the same amount year after year and you feel like you're struggling, that might also be a sign that like, you could probably work somewhere else where they would you know, pay you more and, um, pro like ideally probably help you advance in your career, help you be promoted. So I think it's like balancing, like, am I getting paid fairly? Am I having opportunities to develop within the organization? And then am I passionate about like what I'm doing? Yeah, that is such a perfect answer. Like, wow, I feel so inspired from that and I don't even have a job to quit. Um, <laughs> but I resonate with that so much because people would ask me that all the time. Like, how did you know that it was time for you to quit TikTok? And that was really like the number one key was that I wasn't passionate about what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Like yeah. if I was not enjoying the hours from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., then I am wasting eight hours a day that I'm not doing something that is like making me happy or fulfilling me in any way. And obviously there's a lot of people out there who don't love their jobs and that's perfectly okay to not love your job. I think if that is the case, then you should love your life outside of it so that you can grow into the best possible person you can be so that you can eventually leave that job and find something that does fulfill you. And I think with that too, um, there is a level of comfort that if you're at a job for so long, like you said, with autopilot, that you just get so accustomed to the daily routine over and over and over again. And sometimes being comfortable in your role is great because you can excel and like, you know, exactly what you're doing. But then when it gets to a point where 
you're too comfortable and you're not adapting like new skills because you don't have the, the passion to do that. I think that's when you kind of know it's your time to leave. And then on your last point about compensation, that was honestly my number. Well, probably my number two drive about why I left TikTok was I was making a base salary of 40 K and I was in a sales role and like my projected income was like 70 K. And as a creator, I was seeing myself as like a very small creator at at this, that I was making my weekly income as a creator. And I was like, so limiting myself because I was working at TikTok. And I know that you feel the same way too, because you are a creator as well. Um, And I was like, why am I staying at this job just because it's giving me, you know, a guaranteed income every week, if I can still make the same money outside of it, doing something that makes me so much happier as a person. So I feel like that's a question, like you said, that you just really have to ask yourself and reflect on and kind of think about, you know, like, what do I want for my future? What kind of impact do I want to make on the world? And how can I do that with my career? So if you listen to my podcast all the time, then this is no news to you that I am in love. (laughs) But it is news that this is my first year that I've had a Valentine in so many years. And I'm super excited about it, trying to figure out what I'm going to get. And I think it's a good reminder that you don't need to spend a lot of money on Valentine's Day gifts because it's really just about the thought and showing that you care and love somebody. And it can be in a super creative way without spending a ton. So Macy's.com forward slash gift finder has a ton of ideas for you if you're struggling on what to get your love or your valentine out there and there's a lot of options that are under $25 Um, I personally also really really believe in buying yourself something for valentine's day if you don't have a partner like treat yourself because like I said in one of my previous episodes date yourself and dating yourself means buying yourself nice gifts to make yourself feel good, whether it's skincare, a new purse, maybe a candle or a robe, or maybe even lingerie. Who cares if no one's seeing it? So go to macy's.com forward slash F-O-W, and that'll be my landing page of all the products I pick for y'all. And I'll give you guys some good Valentine's Day ideas. For me, towards the end of working at TikTok, I was having so much FOMO of like wanting to do media. I wanted to do all this different stuff. And I felt like I couldn't do it. And I think for me, it's like, you also have to be aware of your personal brand outside of your job, right? Your job's not like your entire identity. So it's like really important. And I think also like companies should like lean into employees having a strong personal brand because ultimately like you can like the career content that I've been doing on TikTok has really helped me get opportunities like I normally would have never gotten like I've gotten to like speak on panels and gotten these invitations that probably normally would only go to like very senior executives but because of TikTok and because of like putting myself out there I've gotten more opportunities so it's like I think also it's like, if you feel like you're so limited by like your day job, and like you said, you weren't like becoming like your full potential because you were having to do this. And it's like definitely time to leave. Yeah, for sure. And I think it definitely does take time to prioritize your life outside of work because like, there's obviously going to be a time where you decide, okay, I want to quit my job, but that requires you to put in work after hours for you to be able to actually financially and realistically be able to do that. So you are setting yourself up for success when that day does come that you do quit. Um, So with that, one of my questions is advice for quitting when it comes to like putting in notice, talking with your boss, um, or like talking about a salary review, all of that. 
Yeah. Um, well for quitting, I always think like, it's so important the way you, the way you like leave a job is just as important as the way you come in. Um, so I think like, and just thinking back of all the jobs I've left, um, those managers that I, that I've left behind, they have done so much for me later on in my career. So I think for sure, keep that in mind. Like just because you're quitting, even if you're so over it, which I know that tends to happen towards the end, you're just ready to get out. It's really important to make sure like you are finishing strong, wrapping things up. Like the amount of former managers I've had reach out to me, connect me with people. Um, even like I'm fundraising for my company and my old Pinterest manager introduced me to really like high level executives and fundraisers potentially. So like, keep that in mind that you'll never, most likely it's a small industry, Mm -hmm. even though if it feels big and these people will, you'll continue to see them around. So like, it's so important to leave, um, on a high note. So like, for me, I've always tried to give like more than enough notice and always gone into like me quitting as like, Hey, thank you so much. Kind of like almost like a feedback sandwich. Like, thank you so much. This has been an incredible opportunity. I have to give you my notice. I'm going to let like finish everything strong and make sure everything is transitioned properly. Like really making sure it's kind of like layers of, of to, to like what I'm going to be doing next. Um, but I think like giving your notice is definitely something that like, you don't want to just like quit. Don't tell your coworkers before you tell your manager, like keep it on the DL um, and make sure you're like leaving very professionally. Cause I think that's super important. Yeah, for sure. Don't burn your bridges, no matter how much you don't like the company or your boss. Like you just never know how it could get back to you eventually and like ruin your chances of potentially getting another opportunity. I think, like you said, that is just so important and people remember that about you and you just never know. The world is so small. I mean, it is so often that I meet somebody on the street and they know somebody that I know from a different state. Like just imagine that, but in a corporate setting, where everybody knows everybody and they all know your previous experience in a different role. And that could really hurt you based on how you leave. For me, I, um, I would have like weekly meetings with my manager actually. And I was just going through it towards the end of my time at TikTok. I was really hurting mentally. Like I just had a lot going on. I couldn't handle everything and she could really see the stress. And there was a time where I just kind of like broke down to her and started tearing up on our weekly meeting. And I was like, to be honest with you, I just don't really know if I feel fulfilled right now. And I'm trying to work through it and I'm trying to not let it get to me with work. But when it comes to my performance, I know that I have been slacking because I have had so many different distractions in my personal life. And she was just so like nice about it and just so appreciative that I was honest. And I think honesty is just another huge thing. It's like, If you say, Hey, I've had such a great experience. I'm so grateful for my time at, you know, X, Y, Z I'm leaving because I'm going to grow in another opportunity that fits my goals and what I want for my future. No one could ever be mad at you for that. And if they are, then like, that's not the setting that you want to be in at all. Exactly. I've had, I would say every time I've given my notice, it's been amazing except for one time, which was like the most toxic work environment. So it's like, it's, it's like a reflection of the way you give your notice is more like the way your manager takes it is more of a reflection of, of 
on them if like you're doing it the proper way. Cause a true manager, it's like, okay, everyone is pretty much replaceable. So it's like, ultimately like you have to do what's best for you. And like, you can't feel bad. Like they will have your replacement hired in two weeks. Like don't even feel bad about like leaving work behind, like they'll have it handled. So it's really just like leave as gracefully as you can. And just remember that, like you said, the industry is small and I can't even tell you how many how many times I've worked with someone who now is like high up at like Snapchat or high up at, at Instagram. And it's like every interaction actually does really, really matter. And even if you think, oh, someone now is like an intern or a coordinator, they don't matter. Like I guarantee you in a few years, there'll be a director. So like, just make sure you're never burning bridges and you're treating everyone like with kindness for sure. Yes. I love that advice. I think that's really helpful to anyone who's kind of like considering it too. Um, So another question that I have for you is if you maybe don't want to leave your job, but you do feel like you're underpaid and undercompensated, whether that's like your actual salary or benefits or vacation or any of that, how do you go about um, kind of asking for a raise and asking for compensation? Yeah, that one is tough. Um, I think like personally, I've always, the way that I have always, um, I've never asked, well, I've asked for a raise one time, but um, it was kind of more of an opportune thing that came up. But I think in general, the, the few things I'll say with that are like counter offers are a really good way to get additional salary. Like I very rarely have I heard of, of companies just saying, okay, like let's give you 20, 20,000 more. But um, I think counter offers. So maybe if you're like, okay, let me start interviewing. Maybe I'm interested in taking another opportunity. And then potentially saying, going to your employer after you have an offer and say like, Hey, I want to make more money. I have this opportunity that came up. Like, could you match it? Could you hire my salary? That's been effective for a lot of the people that I know. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is like, there's definitely strength in numbers. So I know typically like people don't like to talk about salary in the workplace and all of that, but I have seen a lot of situations where people have come together of where they're being underpaid as a group and said like, Hey, let's like share our salaries with one another. Um, as long as they're feel they're people that you feel like you can trust. Um, and then going to like a head or like a director and saying like, Hey, we all kind of feel like we're being underpaid as compared to like what's average. I think there's strength in numbers um, for sure. So I personally have always just gone the route of like, if I'm not getting paid enough, like, let me just like go find something else. Yeah. Um, Cause I do feel like those, those are really tough conversations to have with a mm-hmm. manager to just ask for more money. Cause there's not always just incremental money to just be given out to employees, but um, there's definitely those times where you might find out an employee, like uh, someone on the team is making more than you and you might feel like you're more experienced and it might feel really shitty. So I think there's a lot of different options that people can explore for, for that. Yeah. And I think too, if you take good, uh, notes of like all of your accomplishments and everything that you've contributed to the company throughout the year, and then you have that like yearly review and you can come back and say, I've completed X, Y, Z. I've gone so much more above what my job description is that you hired me for. Like, this is what my actual role is. And here is how I'd like to be compensated. Not that I've ever done this, not that I can give any advice, but like I watch a lot of videos on it because I just think it's really, really interesting. But that was another one of my questions I was going to ask you was, have you ever asked for it or have you just been given the raise or have you just like found it yourself? Um, uh, that's a I, good, that's a good point that you just made because I actually totally like forgot 
so I haven't done that specifically for a raise, but I've done that for promotion. So like, okay. And obviously a lot of times with promotion comes a raise. So I like, haven't directly been like, I want more money, but I wanted a promotion, which leads to more money. But I think what you said is like very spot on. Like you have to understand that like not things don't just like happen overnight. So it is good to, if you're having, like you said, one-on-ones with your manager, like setting up time, or if you know, performance reviews are in three months, talking to your manager now and saying like, Hey, I really want to get promoted. I'm really hoping to like, you know, make more money. What can I do in the next three months, um, to, to be on track for a promotion and then establishing and writing down like actual KPIs and things that you can hit. Um, and then in three months, when you have your discussion, it's not like a surprise, like, Oh, I didn't get promoted. What happened? I didn't get more money. It's like, well, now I accomplished hopefully X, Y, and Z hopefully now I'm on track for a promotion and you can use that to your advantage. That has always been something that has worked well for me is like making sure if I want to be promoted, that I'm on track and I have a clear understanding of like what I need to do to get that promotion. Cause I think what I used to do early on in my career is like, I would just expect things like, Oh, I think I'll be promoted. I'm doing a great job. But like, unless you have a, like an amazing, an amazing manager who advocates for you and just freaking loves you. Most of the time you have to advocate for yourself and you have to like come up with the list of accomplishments. They're not keeping track of all your wins. So like, I think the point you made is so great. Like you have to make sure you are like selling yourself and marketing yourself. Keep a, keep a document of like all your wins, all your accomplishments, make sure you know, when you go into these meetings for, and there's opportunities for promotion or when a position comes up, that's like a more senior position that you want to apply for, make sure you like are armed and like ready to go, um, for those conversations. Yeah, for sure. I think another good thing that they really did at TikTok was encouraging us to like gloat about ourselves was to just like be proud of side projects that we did. Like my direct manager, Jen, if I ever did something with like the marketing team or the creator team or something that wasn't within my actual role, she would always be like, throw this in like our Lark channel and just like tell everybody about what you're doing. Be proud of that. And I think it's also a way for other people to recognize like, oh, like, you know, Jenna's doing a good job at, at her role. Like she might have good insight. Maybe I can bring her on to some of my meetings. And I think that was another good way for me to kind of progress as well. I mean, obviously I wasn't there long enough to get a bonus or promoted or anything, but I knew that I wasn't going to be promoted because I just honestly didn't really know exactly what I was doing. And after a year in advertising, when I didn't study it in college, I was like, I am not good enough that I'm going to be promoted. So I could stay here for another year and not make any more money, or I could quit and take on way more opportunities. Um, And so I did that. Uh, One thing that you talk about a lot on your TikTok, which I think is so impressive, are sign-on bonuses. I've never known about that. Um, Can you talk about what a sign-on bonus is and how you negotiate that? Yeah, I mean, sign-on bonuses, they're, I mean, they're amazing. I didn't really know about them either until, um, until I, well, until recently. Um, But, but yeah, sign-on bonuses are are usually something that you can ask for, I would say I've asked for them in, in most of like my, I've been somewhat experienced when I've asked for them. I wasn't fresh out of school. Although I know big companies like Facebook and stuff like that, they do give it to people that are fresh out of school. But um, it's basically, you just get a, a, a large amount of money for signing your offer. And you do have to be employed at the company usually for like at least six months to a year. Otherwise you'll have to pay it back. But um, when I was at Pinterest, I asked for, and TikTok, I asked for 15000 
dollar sign on bonuses, I think at both of them. And I, and I got it. And then when I got my first check, it was like, I had all this money. And it oh was my amazing. God. <laughs> it was like Christmas. I was like buying so much stuff. So, um, the, the, the way you can typically go about asking. And, and a lot of times the reason why people do ask for them, there's, there's usually rationale. It's not just like, Oh, let me ask for money. Mm-hmm. Um, so like typically, for example, when I was leaving Pinterest to go to TikTok, I was leaving before I was going to get my bonus before a lot of my, oh, st- okay. before my stock was going to vest. So I positioned it to TikTok when they gave me my offer, like, Hey, the offer is great. Um, but I'm leaving all this stuff behind on the table, um, with Pinterest. Like I'm not going to get my bonus and my stocks I'm going to leave behind that's cash. So can you give me a, like something to make up for that? And gotcha. so that's when, so you kind of have to have leverage. It's like a negotiation, but, but, uh, apparently you can get a lot more than 15,000. I thought that was like heft, a hefty amount of money, but I've heard people getting 25 K and even more. So definitely that's something crazy. to research. That's crazy. And I feel like a lot of that knowledge of knowing that other people were getting more was probably by like putting it on TikTok too, and just opening conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I could even, even what I was paid at previous companies, like people were like, wait, you got paid that much. Like you were being underpaid. And I was like, what? I thought it, I was paid like very well, but, but it's crazy. Like people just get paid so much differently based off of, I mean, there's all obviously different factors, like what experience you had prior and X, Y, and Z, but like, I've learned it's good. It's kind of good to be open about it because then you can like have more knowledge and understanding of like where you rank and compares to like everyone else on your team or like at your organization. Yeah, no, I totally. And I had like a whole section that I wanted to talk to you about like pay transparency and stuff. Cause I think it also goes into what you're doing now. Uh, my last final question about like kind of quitting your job and transitioning is for anybody who is like afraid to quit their job um, because they're not really sure what their next move is going to be. What would your recommendation be? Would it be just quitting your job and then finding something after, or would you recommend you know, doing interviews, setting something up and then quitting your job only when you know that you have a next move and something to do. Yeah, that one is, that one's a tough question. Like, I think it depends. So if you're still in college, like this is why internships are so great. Cause like I had so many, I had like five or six internships in college Mm -hmm. and like that really helped me understand what I did and did not want to do after school. Oh, absolutely. I can definitely agree with you on that. Yes. A hundred percent. Right. Like I knew I was like, okay, I don't want to work in fundraising. I don't want to do X, Y, Z. Um, but I think it, it depends. Like for me after college, I lived with my parents for a little bit. Cause I was like, for me, I was like, let me wait and hold out for that job that I'm excited about, as opposed to taking a job in sales or something that I knew I just wasn't going to like. So I think like, if you have the ability to like live with parents or leave a job, I mean, that is, that is great. Cause then you can really put a lot of like focus on what you want to do. Um, but if you don't, then it's like, it is kind of stressful, right? Cause you are dependent on yourself for like bills and things like that. Yeah. Um, but so it, it kind of depends on your situation, but I think for sure, like there's nothing wrong with like living with your parents until you figure things out or like holding out for that right opportunity, because it's better to like have a job that is fulfilling and you're passionate about than to work somewhere that like, you just don't like. Yeah. And I think there's a ton of people out there who have jobs that they don't like, and that's very normal. And like, you could stay at that for years, but if you let that job consume you, then how much of your life do you waste regretting that you did that? Whereas maybe you do something that like, you don't really like for short term and you're like making money to get by and you're holding out for that. Like that one thing that you do, like one thing I will say with that though, is every time that you think you have like a dream job or a dream company, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way too 
Like it's very impressive to say you work at TikTok or Instagram or Pinterest, but oftentimes you get that job and it doesn't live up to the expectations. And so you think that you're holding out for like this dream job and then you get it and you're like, crap, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Do you have any advice for that? Like if somebody is in that scenario where they've passed up opportunities that they didn't think were great, but now they finally get what they want and it's not what they want at all. Yeah. That, that part is like very scary too. Cause it's like, sometimes you just, you're working so hard for something and then you get it. And then it's like, wait, it's either <laughs> like, I need more, or it's like, this just isn't what I thought it would be. And then you feel like, well, I haven't been here that long. Like I can't quit. Or you feel mm-hmm. kind of like trapped in, in something. And so that part is really hard. And I definitely think there's been, there's been jobs where I've had in the past where like, I've gotten into a job and it's been a very toxic workplace. And I like have felt like, well, I have to stay here because it's cool to be here. And like, I feel cool. And like, I think that it's a, it's a really good thing to remember that like your job is not your identity, even though like it does, it is a large part of like, you know, what you do on a day-to-day basis. But like, I had a lot of rude awakenings. Like when I, when I left Instagram, like I had so many people unfollow me and not want to be like, yes, (laughs) yes. Crazy. That says so much more about them though. Like, ew, hundred percent. But it was like shocking. Cause it was like, wow, was this really like all I was to them was just this person that could help them and, you know, do things for them. But like, right. that's why it's just good to kind of just make sure like you are doing these things outside of work that fulfill you. You're living your own life that you can continue to live when you're, when your job is gone. I mean, I've seen layoffs happen and people get laid off from companies they've worked at for 10 years, five years. And like, you really have to like a disassociate yourself at, at some point. Yeah. That's another good point too. Like when you let your job be every single aspect of your life and then you lose that job, like, what do you have? Like, you know, you don't have much. So that's why I am such a big advocate for like, obviously that's why I was able to leave my job was like the fun on weekdays that I was putting and investing time into my personal life so that I was able to actually enjoy who I was outside of work and like give myself opportunities to be able to set up, you know, a future where I don't have to work this job that I don't actually like. And that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you, which you segued into perfectly was what were some of the things that you did outside of work that helped you grow like professionally and personally as well? I think one of the biggest thing is, is like creating content. And I, I know you relate to this, but like, I mean, I truly recommend like content creation to anyone because for me, like it not only took me out of my comfort zone. Right. Cause it's kind of like cringy at first to put yourself yeah. there. Like, I'm sure when you made your TikTok resume video, I was like a little bit like out oh, there and like, hundred percent. <laughs> Um, and the same with all of my content, like I never, ever like thought I would be doing anything like that. I just kind of had one blow up similar to you and I just kept doing it. But I think for me, like, it's like putting so much time and energy into something and seeing it pay off. Like I also came to a moment where I was like, wow, I've made so much money in brand deals. I don't need to have my TikTok job anymore. Like I can be like, um, you know, independent based off of like what I'm making as a content creator. And I think it's really good to also like think, think of like, what can you be doing on the side that can potentially give you freedom if you hate your job and you don't want to go to work every day. Um, so it was really nice to be able to like, kind of create that, like for me and I'm sure for you too, right now you're able to do what you love full time. And I think like, years ago, like we wouldn't have been able to do that. So it's yeah. incredible that these platforms like TikTok are around because I think also like 
people might feel stuck in a job, right? And they might be like, well, I really want to be like a sports reporter. Or I really want to be whatever. But you can actually start creating content on TikTok, like doing yeah. that. And people are looking to hire people like based off of their TikTok content. So you can kind of create whatever kind of life you want for yourself. You can put time and energy into platforms like TikTok and kind of create that like future for yourself without getting the hard experience on your resume of like working at, you know, MLB, like instead just invest that into making content on sports and like, see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing is you just never know if you don't try. And if you let yourself talk yourself out of it, you're just never going to know, like you'll live so much of your life and always think like, what if, and there's no harm in it. The only harm is like, people talking about you or saying it's like embarrassing. Okay. Well, you know what? The people who probably said that about me when I started TikTok are now the ones who like reply to all of my messages or like DM me and act like they weren't just talking shit on me a year ago. And you know, like roles reverse when you're doing something successful and it pays off, like everybody wants to be your friend, but when you're just starting, like you really have to just push through it and not care what other people say. Cause you truly just never know. And I feel like investing that time in yourself to do something outside of work. That's how you're going to be able to eventually create a life for yourself that like you're proud of and that you enjoy every day. Um, it's true. It's so true. And it's, it's always funny to have those people that you knew or like not on your <laughs> side, like, like slide into your DMS and you're like, what? This is yeah. crazy. like, it's crazy, but it's also like very empowering to, to just like have that moment. Like I've had so many moments like that where I'm like, should I start a dedicated Instagram account? I'm like, no, one's going to follow. It's embarrassing to announce. I'm having like starting my own Instagram with 12 followers, but then now it's what it's at 35, 36,000. So like, am yeah. I glad that I had that moment of awkwardness and putting myself out there? Like, yes. Like now I'm getting Instagram deals and like, this is it, it's all worth it, but it does take like going outside of your comfort zone and being a little like cringe or like yeah. vulnerable. Um, but it, it like, hopefully it pays off and then the haters like have nothing to say. So for sure. And I mean, my way of putting myself out of my comfort zone is literally doing these episodes every single Tuesday, like just talking about things that not necessarily comfortable, like talking about, but then you see people like support it and you're like, wow, you know, this actually is making an impact. And yeah, that's just, I, I think we just had some really good conversation there. So I want to segue into my next topic, which like I said, at the beginning of this, you have one of the most impressive LinkedIn profiles I've ever seen. <laughs> I was looking at it before this, just trying to like brush up. So I want to know your best advice for anybody who's looking to step up their Instagram, uh, Instagram, <laughs> looking to step up their LinkedIn game and like how to stand out on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn. So like, I always just thought LinkedIn was again, one of those cringe things. Like I never got it. Um, I never understood why it was important, but like I have got, I got my job. I got my TikTok job. A recruiter found me on LinkedIn. So now I'm like a big advocate for LinkedIn because, um, not only that, but even like just in the past couple of weeks, like I, I did, I announced how much I made working at former companies. I had business insider reaching out to me. They found mm -hmm. me on LinkedIn. So I think like there's so much power. And again, you made this point earlier, like promoting yourself, right? You're saying yeah. like, Oh, I promote what I'm doing at work. Well, you should also be promoting that type of stuff on LinkedIn, especially if you potentially are wanting to get into a new job or a new field, sure. like, because if you're not actively sharing the, the most of the time people will kind of forget about you, right? If you're not active, people that are, aren't actively posting on Instagram, this sounds bad, but like, I forget that they're around because I don't see their, I don't see them if I'm yeah. not a friend with them. So I think the same goes for LinkedIn. Like 
it's always good to post. It could be what it could be an article that's relevant to your industry. It could be something that you accomplished at work. Maybe you just graduated college, post a photo. I think that stuff is really good because you're staying top of mind to people that you're connected with that maybe you post that you graduate and you're looking for a job and maybe someone in your network is looking for like someone to hire and they see that post and they reach out to you. So I think like you have to be a good marketer of your own personal brand. And like, that will take you incredibly far. And so you really have to be an advocate for yourself. And like, anytime you accomplish something, you work on a project at work, that's like public and external facing, like post about it, mm-hmm. share it and make sure people know that you're like, you know, you're very, pro- that's the way to kind of become prominent. I think in your industry and at your company is to be vocal and share and, you know, be your own hype woman, essentially. Yeah, I do definitely think it helps with being confident in your role as well. Like when you are able to kind of like give yourself a pat on the back and not feel like awkward or uncomfortable about it. I used to be a lot better about this when I was in college. Um, When I was actively searching for jobs, I was in quarantine and I was spending a lot of time on my profile. And I was like, you know what? If anybody looks at my LinkedIn, I want it to look like just, you know, an entire portfolio of exactly who I am. So I went into every single job description and I added as much as I possibly could. I added like sales, you know, records or like just side products that I worked on. I added photos from every single job. Like if I did a creative project, I would add that to it. And I think that it really helped like give me a better LinkedIn so that when I was applying to jobs and I have that link in there for them to click to it, they can see a lot more than just what's on this one piece of paper on the resume. And I think that LinkedIn is just like such a power, like you said, not only if you're in college right now and you're trying to be recruited, but also if you are looking for kind of shifting your, your career a little bit. Um, and just a side note in my Facebook group that I have for fun on weekdays, there's so many conversations about like professional networking. So that's a great way to get connected to so many different people in different industries. And also just advice about like, if you are looking to make a move, um, so join the Facebook group and there's a lot of conversation around there. I want to make one that is dedicated specifically to professional stuff, Uh, but kind of back to this. So you definitely do believe that LinkedIn profiles help you get jobs. A thousand percent. And I think to your point, it, especially like if you're in college or maybe you're fresh out of school or a couple of years, like you should always be networking always like you should always be trying to add new connections and i think one of the things you can do is like you know if you're in greek life like go look for alums of your sorority and start adding them and sending yeah. them being like hey like you have this amazing job at this whatever like company uh i'm also a former whatever husker or whatever i i also was in this sorority like i'd love to connect with you build always be building your network and i think that's so important because then when you actually do need a job or when you actually do need something you'll have like a wide net that you cast as opposed to going into desperation mode um so if you're keeping your linkedin up to date you're continuously like promoting yourself i think it just lends you to being more open to cool opportunities as they arise as opposed to just staying like in your own little like silo doing yeah. things cool behind the scenes. Like you have to be vocal. That's, that's what what will lead to cool opportunities. And LinkedIn is definitely a place where you can be discovered and have great opportunities come like knocking at your door. Yeah, absolutely. I actually saw um, a statistic a little while back, something about like, if you post on LinkedIn once a week, even if you're just commenting on somebody's post, it helps get your profile to be seen more. And I think it's also just such a great tool when you're applying for jobs through LinkedIn, because oftentimes like I invested in LinkedIn premium when I was actively searching so that I could be part of like this 
little separate groups. You can get um, career advice. I actually was able to like post my resume into this group and all these like professionals gave me advice on things to tweak. And then I also was able to see where I ranked amongst other applicants for specific jobs on LinkedIn. And that really helped me to kind of identify, all right, 50% of these people have more qualifications than I do, but 50% of them do not have more creativity than I do. So how do I use that, you know, kind of knowledge to my advantage when I'm going to then apply for this job, knowing that I'm not technically in like that top percentage, you know what I mean? Um, LinkedIn is great. And they also offer like this, like easy apply it's called like in apply or something. And that's what I love because like, if you go the traditional route of applying for jobs, you have to like go sometimes with their internal like website and it's such a pain, but LinkedIn, you can literally apply using your profile. So it's like truly very painless, very easy. So that's why it's like so important, like set up your profile, make it beautiful, like invest in posting. And I think like, you'll really open yourself up to the right opportunities. Absolutely. That was going to be one of my questions actually was if you believe in posting directly through LinkedIn, or if you prefer doing it through the actual company's website, but it sounds like you prefer LinkedIn. I think, um, I think I have a lot of recruiter friends that like work at Netflix and places like that. And I've always just seen them doing a lot of the recruiting from LinkedIn. So like for me, I've always felt like it's just kind of like a good route to go. Um, but I, there have been times I've done it officially on the website, but I think for the most part, I've really like leaned into LinkedIn just because they've made it so easy. And I know recruiters always check LinkedIn profiles. Like I would say 95% of the time, they're like always going to make sure that you have a LinkedIn or that they can see more information on you. Um, so I think just like, I've really leaned into it as a tool and it's been super like helpful in, in, in me getting jobs in the past. Yeah, definitely. I think one of my last thoughts on LinkedIn is especially when I was working at TikTok and I know you probably had a million and one messages on LinkedIn because people see where you work and then they instantly want to connect with you and they want to message you. And I think one of my biggest keys or tips is if you are trying to connect with somebody who works at a company that you want to work at, um, you could totally message them and try to connect with them. But I would get so annoyed when people would message me and be like, Hey, Jenna, I saw you work at TikTok. Can you help me get a job? And I'm like, I don't even know you. Like that's your lead is just trying to ask for free help. Like that doesn't show me that you want it, that you want to work for it, or that you actually have like the integrity or like persistence to get it yourself. You know, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I'm sure you've got plenty of those types of messages. I, I like totally agree. It's like a mistake. I see seriously, like three times a day is people saying, Hey, like, do you know of any jobs that are open? Yes. So like, whenever you're reaching out to someone, just assume they're so busy. Right. So like, make sure I would say one thing that's really important is like, it's fine if, if you want to reach out about a job, but like do your research first, like don't come to me or anyone and think that they have time to be like your recruiter or help you get a job. Cause that's definitely not the case. But I would say the other thing is like, try to look at all of your networking and your like favors that you're asking for as like more long-term. So like, don't just think of it. Like, let me reach out and ask Jennifer a job. Cause that's not how you're, how you should be thinking of your industry connections. Like the people that I've actually gone hard for and helped get jobs are people that have put in the work over time. So like people that reach out and say like, Hey, like, um, can we grab, can we grab coffee? Like, I would love to have you like on a podcast or, or something. So try to remember that like networking should always be an exchange. And like as a student or maybe someone who's not 
as far ahead in your career as you want to be, there's always something that you can like offer, right? So it could just be maybe like you support me on LinkedIn. You like my, you like and comment on my posts or you send me relevant articles to TikTok. That's a way of like supporting. But I think the one mistake people make is they kind of like reach out to people and then I, or you might feel like someone's just using me for a job, but like, if you put in the work over time and make it feel like it's an equal exchange of like, this person supports me and generally roots for me in my career, I've met with them a few times, or they've sent me messages and they always support me on my posts. And now they're reaching out and asking for a job or then I'm like way more inclined to help you because I feel like you actually are looking at me as a person and not just like for what I can do for you. So like, I would say that's the biggest mistake is like, don't think of it as just like, I need a job. Who can I like try to reach out to and get a job? Yeah. Thinking it like, how do I build long-term relationships so that when I do need a job, it doesn't feel like I'm just asking for something. They know me and they're going to go to the recruiter and put in a good word for me. Yeah, totally. And I think that is just a huge mistake. Like if it is an answer that you can Google, you should not be asking somebody on LinkedIn because odds are it's probably going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. Like if you can just Google or you can look at somebody's profile, like, Hey, I saw you work at TikTok. What's your role? When my role is literally in like my profile that it just kind of shows like a lack of research personally. And if you are like as passionate and excited about this role as you say that you are, then I think those are all types of research things that you would do before reaching out to somebody that works at that company. Um, that's just kind of like my two cents because LinkedIn can obviously be like so, so powerful, but I think sometimes you can use it to a disadvantage if you aren't using it correctly or, you know, like strategically, I guess. Oh, for um, sure. I, I feel like if someone reaches out and asks me about open jobs, that's already a red flag because yeah. I'm like, wait, why aren't you going to the career site? Find like, I, like if you, if you don't know how to find an open job, like then that's already a red flag and it's already not starting off on the right foot. So I totally agree. Like be very proactive and do your research. And even when people reach out and ask for coffee chats, like one thing that I always love is when people say, these are when I'm available Do any of these times work for you. Let me know. I'll send over a zoom invite. Mm-hmm. Like just be as proactive as possible. Don't just say, are you available for a zoom? Like come yeah. like really like doing your research saying, this is when I'm available. And then I don't have to do as much work if there's less back and forth. Yeah. That's a really good point. Just be assertive. I feel like even being assertive too, just shows that like you are confident and that you are like really passionate about it and you really, really, really want it. And that's, what's going to set you apart. Really. It's just like really putting your all into it. Um, so kind of going into the next topic, which we only have two more things. I'm going to wrap it up because I know it's been kind of long, but I feel like this has been so great and so educational. So totally okay with this being a longer episode. Uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you about was a lot of people obviously ask us, what is your advice for applying to jobs? So do you have any specific advice for cover letters and resumes specifically? Yeah, I think one of the things that's really important um, as as you're applying for jobs is like setting up job alerts on your phone, because um, I I can't remember the stat now, but I, I know there's a stat that like most, I mean, your odds of applying for a job obviously are better if you're one of the first to apply because you're kind of going to the top. So for me, that's always been something. If I'm looking for a job, I have job alerts. And every day, if I'm seeing a job, I'm going and applying that day as opposed to waiting weeks and being like the 300th applicant. So I think that's one piece. The second piece is like, you really have to make sure a lot of, a lot of companies, um, use like, you know, AI, like software, 
And I think it's really important that like you look at the job description and try to tailor your resume as much as possible for that job description. So like if you, if the job description says they want someone who has experience working cross-functionally with global teams, like try to take some of that verbiage and like keywords and insert that to your resume so that you are, have a better chance of getting to the top of the pile and being seen. Um, because just know that a lot of like AI and stuff will pull out those keywords and look for potential matches for people that have those keywords. So it's really important to like put effort into your applications. Like people always like, oh, I applied for a hundred jobs today. It's like, well, try to like, just really apply for like maybe a handful, but do them really well, um, tailor your resume. And I think that kind of will set you up for more success because again, a lot of times recruiters in these positions, they don't necessarily have a huge, a good understanding of like the roles. They might be recruiting for like 20 different jobs. So it's really important that you kind of match the keywords in the job description so that they feel like you're a good fit. Yeah. And obviously too, when you're applying to jobs, like you're applying with the same experience that you have. So I was applying to jobs that were like in fashion. And then I was applying to like the advertising role at TikTok. And obviously the same companies that I had on my resume were the same, like the same experience. But when it came to the description of the jobs, I definitely tailored it to what the day-to-day roles would be of the roles that I was applying for. So like, if it was more of a sales role, I'm going to put more sales stats in it. If it's more of a creative role, I'm going to put more of like my creative description of things I've done and experience in there. So I think that's just the most important thing is tailoring your resume. And like you said, sometimes knocking it out in quantity is not as effective as just sitting down and maybe doing like three a day. Um, It definitely is time consuming, but I think if you tailor it a little bit more to like, do I actually want this job? Like, is it worth applying to? If it's just one of those like quick applies, then okay, do it. But I don't know. I I think that there's a lot of value in that. And to your point about the AI, uh, this is something that I had heard. It was like a tip somewhere. And I don't know if this is true. I actually did this with my TikTok resume was I copied like 40% of the job description and I put it in one point font in white so that it, it blended into the background. But then when they scan it, the AI picks up those keywords. So you look like the best match. And I don't know if this technically works. Some people have said that like it picks that up and it knows that it does that. And other people have said, no, that's a really, really great way for like your resume to be seen. I had never heard. It sounds really, it sounds genius though. I honestly, I think, I think it works. And because you're hiding it into the background, like you can't see that I just copy and pasted that in there. But I think what you don't want to do is put more than like 70% of it in there because then they're going to be suspicious and they're going to be like, wait, but none of your actual descriptions of your experience match any of these keywords. Like, how is that showing up? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely a mix, like making sure, you you know, like you said, each position, you're really like tailoring it. But that's an interesting hack. I, I like, that's crazy. I have never, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it works um, because obviously my TikTok resume was seen in a completely different forum, but uh, definitely try it. If you're like not having a whole lot of luck. Uh, another question I had was interviews are so important. It's such a huge, like uh, impression that you make. And I think one of the most important parts of interviewing that I've learned over the years is the questions that you ask at the end of it. So do you have any good examples of questions that people can ask that are like stand out that a recruiter or someone who's interviewing you are going to remember? 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and truly that is something like I talk about a lot on TikTok is like the questions you ask are just as important as the questions that you answer. Like people always put off and think like, oh, I'll just ask about the company culture or things yeah. that are Googleable, but like, don't actually like, you should look at the questions at the end as like, you're clo- you closing the interview. Like, what are you going to say? So that the recruiter or the hiring manager is like, wow, this person knows their stuff. So like, for me, uh, I always avoid like any sort of generic questions. I think, um, something that's worked well for me is like asking very, you want to make yourself feel like you're the expert you want them to feel like you're an expert in the job that you're interviewing for. So for me, um, like when I was at TikTok, for example, I knew I would be working with creators. So like some of the questions I would ask are like, what type of internal tooling do you have to measure creator success? And like, do you have dashboards, et cetera? But like those type of questions, like if, if I look at people, someone asking that versus company culture, like me asking that question just positions me as like an expert. I know what I'm doing. Like they can feel more confident with me coming into the role because I already know like, you know, what I'm, what I should be thinking about. So I think I would try to look at those questions as like questions that are very specific to the job you're interviewing for very like tactical and like kind of will position you as an expert. Cause that's really your chance to stand out and not ask those simple questions that everyone asks. Like I can't, I'm sure you've done interviews too. Everyone asks company culture. Everyone asks, what can I do in the first 90 days to make an impact? Like those questions are good, but I think again, it's about standing out and like wowing people and making people feel like I could hire this person tomorrow and they would already kind of know the lay of the land. So I think use those questions to be very thorough and very convincing and like the value that you would bring to the role. Absolutely. I think also asking questions, you have to remind yourself that this interview is not just for them to hire you. It's for you to hire them as like the, the company that you're going to put your heart and soul and so much of your time into. And if you don't feel like it's a good fit, then like, why are you trying to impress them? So I feel like the end when you are asking your questions is just so important for you to get a good grasp of like, is this what I want? Or is it just like an opportunity, you know? Um, I remember two of the questions that I asked at TikTok was, I think this is always a really good idea is to try and find any relevant uh, articles that have come out recently about the brand. And I remember at the time it was just the start of COVID and there was um, like a business insider article about TikTok was growing at like over a thousand something percent. And another percentage was like working from home or whatever. And I pulled in those exact percentages and I was like, According to blah, 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 on this date, TikTok is growing at XYZ. How does the company plan to continue keeping your training? Like, I don't remember exactly what the question was, but it was pulling in specific data and then asking a very narrowed down question around it that was going to be very applicable to my experience working there. And then another question I asked was, what is TikTok's um, like... I don't, I don't know how to word it, but like, basically what do you guys do outside of work that is giving back to the community and more of like a, um, gosh, what's the word? Like, uh, philanthropic. Yeah. 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 Kind of like a a (laughs) philanthropic efforts, kind of like what is TikTok doing outside of work? And like, what are ways that I can, you know, that's a good, 
That's a good point. Cause you're so right. It is like, it needs to be a fit on both sides. Like, I think like sometimes we go into it thinking like, I just want them to like me, but like, wait, you also have to make sure like, if this person that's interviewing you is going to be your manager that you vibe with them and that you feel yeah. like the company values like match with your own. So like, that is so true. Like making sure, is this actually the right fit for me? And like, what questions can I ask to make sure that it is? Absolutely. Well, I think we covered a ton of information and I think this was super helpful regardless of kind of like what stage of life you're in right now. Um, and I'm super fortunate that you were able to come on. Cause I, I personally have like looked up to you ever since I worked at TikTok, and I kind of viewed you as a little bit of a mentor. So now that we're kind of like both doing our own things, I would love for you to talk about what you're doing now with Clara. Is it Clara, Clara? Yeah, Clara. Okay. All right. So tell yeah. me what it is and all about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think, again, one of those things for me has always been, that's been like key in my career is like stepping outside of my comfort zone, right? Like I always want to make sure I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone. And it obviously like we worked at TikTok. That was a cool place. Like we both had to like step out of our comfort zone to like embark on new opportunities. And like, it worked out amazing for you. And I think like, I also want to like, for me, something I saw just in working with creators and you know this, although like, I think you do a really good job. It sounds like of like doing brand deals. It sounds like you have a manager to help, help you. Um, I just was seeing a lot of creators like being underpaid, like, you know, like it's all, you know, how brand deals work, right? It's all about Absolutely. the brand asks you what your rate is most of the time. Yes. And so it lends itself to a lot of people being underpaid because they don't really know how to price themselves. And there's not really a lot of information on like what brands pay. And brand pay is so sporadic. Like some brands will pay people $20,000 and some people, you know, and some people will only ask for 2000. And so you have creators being paid like 20,000 versus 2000. So like, for me, I just saw it was such a big issue. So I like wanted to create a platform, which is like, I, I describe it as like a glass door LinkedIn for content creators. But my goal is really just to give creators more information on what brands are actually paying creators their size mm -hmm. so that they can know like, oh, wow, like this company paid Kristen, like, or it's all anonymous, but they can know like, oh, Adidas paid this creator 20,000. Why am I only asking for 2000? Like, I just want creators. I want people to be able to go full-time as content yeah. And I think a lot of people can't because they don't understand like their potential. Um, so I think for me, I just was like, okay, I work with so many creators. Let me create a resource for them to better understand like how to navigate brand deals and not be necessarily taken advantage of and just be set up for success in the same way that like me and you have Glassdoor and like sites that we can look at before we go into salary negotiations. Right. Right. So we're not just throwing out a crazy number. Like we can do our research. Like I wanted creators to have a similar resource. So I decided to like start my own company and like ask, try to ask for funding. And so like, it's been a crazy, a crazy process, but I will say like, I think it's so important. Like I can always go back to, to tech. Like you can always go back to tech. Like you can always find a job, but right sometimes there's only these once in a lifetime opportunities to pursue your passions. Like for you with fun on weekdays, like you took a chance and it now it's like top Spotify, like, <laughs> like you are just killing it. So it's like, imagine if you didn't take the chance and you were still, you couldn't fully pursue this. Like yeah. sometimes you just have to, you just have to go after it. And so you definitely like inspired me just hearing about your oh. story, seeing like all the success, like it's scary. It's so scary. Like you left your full-time job. So like I applaud you. And I definitely think that was something like I looked at as I was leaving mine was like, it's now or never. Let me just do it or I'll always regret it. I'd rather like look back and just know I did it than know I like didn't do it. Yeah, for sure. Well, that means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> 
it's always so cool to hear people's stories about like, I don't think that what I do in my personal life, like really means that much to like other people. But when people like you say things like that, that it's like inspiring, that really is like my whole goal is like, you can live the life that you want to, but it really does require taking a chance and also giving yourself a chance too. And like that happens outside of work that happens like on weekdays, on weekends, it happens every single day. And it's just a conscious effort for you to want that. But I think that Clara and what you're doing for creators is just absolutely genius. The fact that it didn't exist prior to you is insane. And also just knowing that I have you on my podcast before you become like a Forbes 30 under 30, like uh, (laughs) I just know it's going to happen because before I had a manager, which like I'm saying nobody, nobody needs a manager, but I got to a point where like, I couldn't handle everything. And so it really, really helped me. But if you do want to be a creator and you're like smaller and you have really great engagement, like this is such a helpful tool to know what to price yourself at because I was waiting for brands to tell me what my value is. And they would tell me I was like 250 bucks. And I'm like, cool. Like that's so much money. And then I would get one for like $900. I'm like, what the, are you kidding me? And I remember my biggest one that I ever asked for was like key lightful. So they came to me last year and they're like, Hey, we want you to do this beer sponsorship. And this was before I had been like super kind of prestigious, if that's the right kind of word, selective, I should say with like the brands I was working with. And I was like, Oh my God, how cool. It's a beer brand. I don't drink beer, but like, I want to do it, but it's not really like my brand. So I'm just going to throw a number out there and see if they agree. And I think I either said 2000 or 2,500 and they agreed to it with, without any negotiation. And I was like, what? Like (laughs) I literally have like 12,000 followers on Instagram. Like you're going to pay me that much money. And then I kept thinking, what if I would have asked for like 5,000 and I think this tool now is going to help people know what their value is because the only way that me and my influencer friends like know kind of what we're making is literally just by talking. And this is giving everybody that forum to talk without it being like toxic. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so true. Like I've also had that. And I like, I considered myself an expert, like working with creators. And like, I had moments where like, I would ask for this and I'd be like, wait, what if I would have asked for 5,000? What if I would have asked for, and just seeing the sizes of deals that like creators are making 60,000 a TikTok, like bigger creators are making insane money. And like, just knowing that I'm like, there needs to be like, there needs to be some sort of like tool that creators can knowledge share without it. Cause it, cause you're right. It's like, it's so in your bubble and in your circle and it can be so very, so dependent on so many different factors. So like, I'm excited that you're excited about it. And like, I really, I really appreciate the support. Cause like, to your point, it's like such, it's such siloed information and it's not out there. And And so like, it's very important for even pay, like, you know, disparity that people are able to access that information for sure. And I think anytime too, that like influencers, uh, do talk about like what they're getting paid on TikTok, there's so much support and respect around it. They're like, wow, this is so cool of you to like be open about it. And I feel like this is also kind of opening the door for that, for it to be just as normal to talk about like influencers making money as it is for people in a corporate setting to be talking about how much they make. And hopefully like when people do find out like how big this industry is and the opportunity that you have, even as such a small creator, it's going to give them that encouragement to like, if you do want to kind of do this and make content, like here's your chance. Now you can see what other people are doing and you can know that it is sustainable and like it is possible I see people on TikTok all the time. There was this girl who was like, 
oh my God, I just got a 25K brand deal for the entire year. And she has like 40,000 followers. And everyone's like, no way you're lying. And I'm like, no, that's like low key girl. You're almost being underpaid. Like it's crazy. It's so it's crazy. crazy. And people don't realize how much money you can make. I think that's the thing. Like even, even I like will tell people, oh yeah. I mean, I could quit my job at TikTok. And they're like, you could. And I'm like, yeah, like there's huge money in like working with brands. And like, I, I like, I think the more information out there, the better, because I think more people will be motivated to like start creating content. Um, if they realize, um, if they truly understood how much they could get paid. Absolutely. So one of my other questions that I had for you, and then we'll kind of like wrap everything up was, so this is really exciting. You just got funded. And I've seen a lot of your TikToks about how only women, women only get like 2% of funding. So really curious kind of what your experience was with that and how you didn't get discouraged when you were told no. Yeah, this one is, is hard. Cause, cause truly, um, I, it was very discouraging, like not only so like, okay, so 2% of all VC funds in 2021 went to women. Okay. Okay. But think of, think of, so 2% of all the funding for like new companies and new endeavors. But then when you look at that 2%, I mean, I'm just speculating 99% of those women went to Stanford and Harvard and Mm -hmm. MIT. These are, I mean, these are like very badass women, but for me, I went to University of Nebraska, like that's not impressive. And for a lot of these companies, like the Stanford alumni or Harvard alumni, like those networks are strong and they want to fund other people in that network. So I think that was, again, it's like, I'm always feeling like I'm kind of like the odd one out, but it's also kind of like motivating to feel like, okay, like the underdog. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, I can, I can do this. Like, I know this is in demand and guess what? Like it's been like over like a week I've had like almost like 5,000 people sign up for it. So I'm like, okay, for most other apps, it takes them a long time to get to that many signups. So like, I know that this is needed and there's appetite for it. So I think for me, I just was like, let me just keep trying and let me just keep trying. And, and all it takes is like one yes. And I mean, like same, same for like your situation, right? It's like, you can feel discouraged or not sure if you should do it, but all it takes is like one opportunity to kind of give you that confidence that you need. So I'm thankful, like I didn't give up, especially when I think back of like, you know, like if I just had given up and I, and I knew I was one yes away, like I would have still been working at TikTok and like, that's fine. But like, who knows if you just keep trying and putting yourself out there it really leads to some amazing opportunities. So like for me, uh, I've been really excited to like, just do this because I think again, it's one of those situations where like I'm a, I'm a woman in a very male dominated industry, also very Ivy league dominated industry. So like, it's exciting. Cause like, you always want to kind of feel like you're making change. And so I think I've learned so much that like, I mean, truly most of what I learned about pitching startups, I've watched on YouTube and watched mm-hmm. on, on TikTok. So it's been really cool to like have that information available to me. And I definitely um, want to like help eventually make content on that in, in the future, because it is actually crazy that people have millions and millions of dollars. They just want to give away and invest yeah. into female companies. And so, especially I think as people are wanting to be inspired and like create their own opportunities, like I want to make sure that there's resources for them to help guide them in that, in that process. But, but yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy ride so far. It's only been like a week since I quit TikTok, but yeah. um, I'll definitely keep you updated on. It's so exciting. I'm so happy for you. And also too, like all of those people that said, no, those are probably just like not people that you want to work with. So it's probably better that it didn't work out, but also like, just think about one day in like 
a month from now, a year from now, you can look back and those people who turned you down are gonna be like, shit, we missed out. Like that was genuinely always my mindset is like Uh, one of these days people are gonna be like, oh my God, Jenna Palak like applied here. And we said no to her and then they regret it. And I feel like regret is like the, like the greatest feeling of like success, if that makes sense. Like uh, you're going to get, you're going to get a hundred no's, but eventually you'll get like that one. Yes. That just makes it all worth it. And I'm just like floored that it's only been a week and you've had so much success already. So anybody who's listening to, like, if you are wanting to be a creator, you don't even have to have like a million followers or anything like such a great platform to sign up for and to just support our girl, Kristen. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I could not agree more though. I, I think back about that. Like there had to have been other, you know, companies like Airbnb or Uber or really yeah. big companies that people said no to, or they said, what is this idea? And then just to like, continue. And then they'll like, look back and think, wow, I really should have like invested or helped out or like, you know, tried to kind of like work with this person. So I think it's like a good motivator too. It's like the more knows, okay, let me just prove, like, let me just prove them wrong. Let me just, let me just, that's how been my mindset this whole time. I'm like, let me just launch and prove them wrong. The yeah. first, I want to show them the thousands of signups, like, let me just do it. So you just, it's all about like the, I think the like mentality is just like, let me keep going. If you believe in like yourself and you're passionate about something, like you can make anything happen truly. For sure. For sure. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I literally have like goosebumps. This is such a girl <laughs> boss episode. It's like the epitome of like girl bossing too close to the sun. You know, that like TikTok sound. That's how I feel like you are right now. It's like you like stumbled into this, like such cool, unique period of your life because of all these experiences before and like how awesome that you now get to share it with other women and like empower them to make these crazy life changes. Thank you. And I mean, I also just want to say like, I've been rejected so many times. So like, definitely it sounds like, oh, well, she's worked at cool companies, TikTok, Instagram. Like I probably applied for like Instagram 20 times before I got accepted. So like I was, I was rejected from Greek life. Like I was rejected from so many things. So definitely just keep that in mind. Like, even if you're rejected or not seeing success, just like keep going, keep going and like, keep believing. Um, but I appreciate that. Seriously. This was so fun to like actually (laughs) talk to you. Like I've been on so many of your lives where I'll watch you get ready. So like, I actually have felt like I've, I'm a friend, but it's cool to actually chat face to face too. Yeah. And I think people also really value like smart educational conversations because how often am I just being like goofy, but no, like I'm actually smart too. And like, I love when people get to see that, you know, there's like so many different facets to other people. So even just like meeting you too, it literally solidified everything that I already thought of you before. Um, so we'll wrap it up here. And, uh, last thing I have to ask you is Kristen, what is your fun on weekday idea? And hopefully it's like an idea that centers around growing like professionally of an idea of my followers to do this week? I would say, so my tip is probably like really nail and practice and nail your elevator pitch about yourself. So like, you never know when you're going to be in a situation where you meet someone incredible or maybe someone you really admire. And like, I think like, it's always great to have a really solid pitch of like who you are and like what you represent. Like, so, and it's always good for interviewing too. Like, it's always good to just, when they say, tell me about yourself, you have a really solid answer that you just know on the back of your, of the back, from the back of your hand. So I would say, try to really think about 
how you would describe yourself and market yourself and like really make sure you have that down. Cause I think it will help you in so many situations, um, whether it's, you meet someone interesting, like at a cafe and they ask you, or maybe you meet someone potentially about a job, like just really having a clear vision of like who you are and how you want to market and be perceived, um, I think is really important. And I think will really help you. So maybe just like practicing solidifying that elevator pitch. Um, so you can make sure that you're hyping, you're being your own hype woman and you're really, you know, allowing yourself to hype yourself up and, and also open yourself up to like amazing opportunities that might come your way. Amazing. I love that example. That's like so unique and also so beneficial too. And if you can say your elevator pitch to yourself in the mirror, or like you could record yourself and watch it back. And that way you can critique yourself. That's a really great way to kind of grow and just also get more comfortable presenting and like, just get more confident when you are going into that, like awesome interview that you've been waiting for forever that you finally feel like you're prepared. So what a good way to end this episode. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. I, I just know everyone's going to love this episode. And honestly, I'll probably listen back to it a few times just to take your own advice too. So yeah, thank you so much. And I'm I'm doing a day in the life on my TikTok. So okay. 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 Yay. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Seriously. This was amazing. This ended my day on such a high note. So good. Good. I, I personally love Tuesdays. I think it's a great day. So, um, I always end every single episode, not purposely, but just because I don't know what else to say, but we will talk to you next Tuesday and I will include all of Kristen's links to her socials in the bio for the episode. So thank you everybody for listening and hope you enjoyed it.